Rural hospitals must fight to keep patients local and keep healthcare services in their communities, often with less capital and fewer resources than their larger competitors. So, how do rural hospitals compete? With aggressive growth plans, deliberate partnerships, and laser-focused strategies. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to episode 32 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hotshire, President and Chief Executive Officer. And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development. So today we're going to talk about strategy uh, in rural health care. Not just the strategy to keep hospitals open, but the supporting and specialty health care services that patients need. That's right. And to do that, we are talking with someone who has a wealth of experience in healthcare strategy and implementation, having led dozens, truly dozens of departments in her career, increased revenue for her areas of responsibility by more than 10 percent, and has also overseen the development of multiple specialty service lines. We are fortunate to now also have her as part of our Hillsdale Hospital team. Absolutely. Our guest today is Nicole Mayer. Uh, She is our chief strategy officer here for Hillsdale Hospital. And welcome to Rural Health Rising, Nicole. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Nicole, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and also your role here at Hillsdale Hospital? Sounds great. Thank you. So I started my career off as a radiation therapist working with cancer patients in uh, Southeast Michigan at uh, Beaumont Hospital, which was incredible. Um, I was able to work in Southeast Michigan as a therapist and also learned operations and strategy along the way. So that was very exciting. I've had uh, several opportunities as a senior leader in that space as well uh, for healthcare and for logistics. So very, um, very excited to be here and and bring some of the things that I've learned to the table here at uh, Hillsdale in strategy. In a tremendous amount of work that you've done with strategy, uh, you've built departments, uh, you've actually, and we'll get into that in just a few minutes, but uh, what I, what I most um, appreciate about you is your work ethic and your ability to look outside, you know, the traditional avenues of healthcare. Uh, in fact, you have, you know, participated in events where you've not been in healthcare and you've led in uh, some school initiatives and some other things. I think it speaks volumes to what you're able to bring to the table. And in, on an episode last week, uh, Rachel and I talked a little bit about, you know, this healthcare space and how some of my best leaders have come not from within, you know, the organization itself, but a different perspective. And you've had that chance. So I'm excited today to talk to Nicole and uh, the wonderful things that she's going to bring to the table and information that she's going to share with us. So now that we've established who you are and what you do, let's start with the why. Now, we do this on every episode, uh, so we get to know our guests just a little bit better. So Nicole, what is your why? What motivates you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning? There are a few things, and I know our time is limited here today, but what I could say is I have three wonderful boys, uh, two are college age, and one is um, a high school student, and really leading by example. And what I mean by that is how we use the gifts that we've been given to make a difference in the world. And so that's what gets me out of bed. I I take a great pleasure in, in purpose-driven work and making a difference. So quality is something that's very important to me. And I feel that here at Hillsdale, that's not just people talking the talk, but they're actually walking the walk. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it's really great to be in healthcare. It's great to be here to help because helping patients get care close to home and high quality care is something that I'm very passionate about. So um, I actually did my master's thesis on patient satisfaction. It's something that I'm very, very passionate about as well. Um, employee engagement is something that's that's very important mm-hmm. to me. And I think that 
everything that we're doing here at Hillsdale is really, it, it really embodies all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it, it's a pleasure to be able to make a difference in people's lives like that. So that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. It's exciting. Well, and I love that you mentioned that the patient is really at the center of everything because we're talking about strategy today. And I just want to preface our discussion a bit because we are going to be talking about healthcare services as business lines because the financial viability of those services is important, especially for rural hospitals. But uh, like you just said, when we're talking about the different services and strategy behind them, the ultimate goal and ultimate focus is to improve the health of our patients and community by bringing more services to them. So with that out of the way, Nicole, tell us more about your experience and the kind of work you do. What goes into strategy in the healthcare world for people who aren't familiar? So one of the things that goes into strategy in healthcare really is is talking to who all the key stakeholders are. So it's not just the patients, but it's also the physicians. And so as a physician, you're trying to provide good, high-quality care. And in doing so, you need to be able to refer to high-quality sources. And so one of the the, um, tough situations in rural health is really trying to find that care close to home Mm -hmm. and high quality care. And so how do you do that? Because as JJ has said many times, we can't be experts in everything. Um, There are volume constraints, um, but our goal at the end of the day is making sure that patients get the care that they need. So when you talk to the physicians and you talk to all of the frontline service providers, they tell you, we really need pulmonology, or we really need dialysis, or we're we're digging and looking too at who are the patients that we're not able to serve and what types of patients are those. And so you actually back the bus up from there to try to come up with solutions. So Nicole, when you're working with a new organization, what is the first step in starting to develop a new strategy or strategies for a hospital? And it seems like you could go in a million different directions. Obviously, the excitement of a new service line, but also the threats of bringing a new service line into an organization and unfortunately it not being successful. And you've had those experiences throughout your career, both large and small facilities, uh, but we have to start somewhere, right? So where do we start? So a small rural CEO is listening to this podcast today, and they are, and they want to start XYZ service. What is the first step? So really um, identifying any of your strengths that you have, obviously just doing a full SWOT analysis, you know, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And so just just start there. It's a simple analysis. Um, Taking a look at the services that you are providing um, and then really trying to herd the cats and say, okay, what are the services we're providing and what are the services that are being referred out? Mm -hmm. And let's talk about what makes sense. Are we going to be able to get a a very high level type of a specialty surgeon for low volume? Right. And then what is that going to do to the hospital's bottom line? As most people know, most hospitals are running at less than a 2% operating margin. It's even less for rural health. Uh, Rural hospitals are closing left and right, which which you speak to all the time. How do we provide the care close to home without shutting down the the hospitals that are taking care of the people in those neighborhoods? So you really start to do a deep dive. And in my past, even in the busy areas of Southeast Michigan, really going out and talking to the physicians, why are you referring to X organization that's blank miles away 
would it be more beneficial for us to open these service lines here? And if so, why are you referring outside the system? What can we do better? You know, who can we bring in? And then start to vet those physicians to bring high quality care. So that's really where you start. A lot of places track also the market share and see how they're doing, right? So how are you doing and how are you trending over time? I love data. I know you love data. So I, data always tells a story. So are you are you losing patients and why are you losing patients? And, you know, is the care good? Is the care from the physicians good? Are, is the nursing care good? You know, is the technology accessible? Is it easy to get an appointment? And really doing a deep dive in there and then just trying to, to look at the processes within the operations as well. So um, besides, you know, doing a big, deep data analysis, talking to the frontline uh, teams, I think is very mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. So we have to learn from our mistakes, right? Have you ever launched a service line where you were so excited uh, that you could hardly stand it, and you were ready to move it forward, and then defeat came. And what what were the parameters for that? So when I have had those type of disappointments, it's usually financially related. Um, and there's usually some sort of a barrier. And so a lot of things like what we've been doing here is looking at how do we overcome those barriers. So we all know that dialysis is something that's been so important to our hospital and our skilled nursing facility. And so to try to get specialized physicians to come for low volume is a challenge. Mm-hmm. But there's ways to leverage technology, telehealth, uh, and those type of things to, to try to get your objectives met. But usually the areas that I run into um, are usually financial constraints. So let's talk a little bit about that because I've often said, and, and you and I've talked about this, we cannot be everything to everyone. Uh, when is the right time? When do we know? So, you know, will we be in a center of excellence for, you know, heart? No. Mm-hmm. We know that we do not have the volume for that. Um, but What we've talked about on this program before is to do really well at the things that we know we can do really well at. So as CEOs are listening to this recommendation from you, you know, and they've had that defeat and they know what that tastes like, you know, what what is the next step for them? So other things that the CEOs can do is look to partner with with institutions that take good care of the patients and take good care of the relationship that they have. So as we all know, we have to take care of our patients close to home. If we rely on other organizations, which we do from time to time, and we have fantastic partnerships that exist, if those partnerships are helping to to care for our patients and then sending them back to us for that care close to home, that is really, those are the avenues that, you know, we both would recommend looking at. So, you know, we hear this word merger, acquisition. Mm-hmm. I firmly uh, am against that uh, because I believe that we can do it on our own. Um, so in this partnership that you that you describe, how does that work? So if we were to look at a relationship, there's no ownership of the hospital by any measure, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. What, what does a good partnership look like? A good partnership is when you can perhaps uh, lease physicians or share physicians. And the thing that the other organization gains is really revenue associated with that patient. Mm -hmm. And so they can provide, let's say, a higher level specialty um, service, or they may send physicians on site, which we've done in certain circumstances, bring those physicians on site to provide services and, um, and care for the patient. So, you know, for the the systems that are respectful of that partnership without trying to take over a small rural hospital that is doing a very good job at succeeding as as you have, um, which you should be very proud of. It's very hard. It's very, and I say this with all my heart, it's It's very hard because Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of 
uh, strategy. It takes a lot of heart and passion and a lot of relationships with the community and surrounding, uh, you know, systems to try to accomplish your goals. And so you have great relationships with the different facilities around and systems around, and you leverage those relationships to help care for the patients. You know, as I as I reflect upon some of those relationships, um, you've been instrumental here at Hillsdale Hospital for some of those relationships and just had a, a wonderful opportunity watching you and the work that you do and you're connected. And I think if there's ever a word that I could ever associate with you, it's connector. Uh, and I think you love that. I see the passion of being able to bring two people in a room for a common cause and that's been incredible to watch, but it's also expanded some of our growth strategy here, which is very important to me. When I started here a year ago, I wanted to put together a growth strategy. We identified what that is and really just, you know, chugging along as best as I could doing four jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, right. <laughs> and having you here has been uh, really a, a lifesaver in that regard. But watching that relationship has been so important because it tears down a lot of the barriers and the walls. Because in rural health, you know, there's a lot of guards up right? There's a lot of rural hospitals that are afraid that big systems are going to come in, swallow them up, not through merger acquisition, just sheer competition. And so building those relationships actually I've found has made us a little more competitive uh, and gives us a little more strength. Do you find that to be the case? I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. So I'd say over all of our, over all of our relationships, it, you know, I would give it an A for of all the systems that we're working with, yeah. how phenomenal they are and their willingness to to partner with us. And, you know, I've there's one system nearby that we're doing a lot of a lot of partnering with and they've been phenomenal. And yeah. they've their their messages really take good care of Hillsdale mm-hmm. and, and make sure that you're sending the patients back for, you know, for all of the other services that need close to home. Sure. Whereas other systems can say, OK, well, thanks for seeing our physician today. Now we're going to have you see this person in primary care and we're going to have you go to our lab for these uh, for the blood draws right. and we're going to have you come back and get some CTs and everything else and that's really where care becomes fragmented Absolutely. and patients are also driving as we know there's barriers to care and one of them is transportation and it so is. people are driving very far out of the county for services and quite frankly um we all want our family members to be close Absolutely and close to us so we can you know, visit them and look look after them. And of course, family members are also patient advocates. Um, yeah. And so it's important to keep people in our county. I agree. Well, and when we talk about, um, you know, having systems that are building productive relationships, we also see, like, like JJ mentioned, um, sometimes hospitals do get swallowed up. And an interesting story that I was kind of researching this week because I thought, oh, this could be an interesting story for the podcast is a rural hospital that has been closed for eight years that is reopening this week. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Oh, and they're reopening with this larger system. So that's a great story of how a system is coming in and reopening a hospital that had been closed. However, (laughs) upon further research, um, I learned that when the hospital closed eight years ago, it was under pretty much the same company. They just had in those eight years merged with another company and changed their name. Okay. So it took a little digging for me to figure that out. In which case I was like, well, maybe not the best uh, the best uh, interview opportunity for us, (laughs) but but I think it's important to think about because the process of you know, we here fortunately are not in that situation, but, you know, there are service lines that we've had here before that we no longer have. 
And I'm just thinking about the process of reopening a hospital sounds very challenging. What is the strategy and how do you approach that when you're reopening or reestablishing a service line that maybe was here before? Now it's gone. Patients might be unsure if they want to commit to to that service here because is it going to leave again? You know, so how do you work through things like that where there's really a history that has to be addressed in the development of the strategy? So, and that's a that's a great question. And there are service lines in all hospitals where sometimes the service line or the provider in that line is has some deficiencies. Mm-hmm. And we all know that patient satisfaction and quality of care mm-hmm. is number one. And so sometimes right. administrators have to make tough decisions mm-hmm. and they have to sever those relationships. And so sometimes that creates a little bit of a lapse in service or a lag in service. And I can assure you that before any of those changes are ever made, that every every single counseling session, every single appropriate um, conversation has taken place prior to mm-hmm. that. And I've had to do that as well, which is, those are tough decisions. But what the patients need to know is that when you have a leader such as JJ here in the community with the board support that he has to make sure that they're getting high quality care, that if you do have a little bit of a delay in service, you know, make sure that if you have concerns that you communicate it. And I can tell you, I've come in JJ's office. He is reading all those cards. I swear <laughs> I've seen it many a times. Um, and, you know, communicate your concerns, but I can assure you that if that's a service line that that we are committed to, it's going to be, everything's going to be okay. And we're looking at how long it takes to get in to see, you know, a provider, because that's important. We don't want you to have to wait to see a specialty physician for, you know, for a long amount of time. It should be as quick as possible. And I come from the, like I said, an oncology. So when you have an oncology diagnosis, you want to be Mm -hmm. seen as quickly as possible. And that's our job as administrators and physicians to make sure that we're getting those patients in. And does that mean staying 10 minutes later? It it does. And, but isn't that what we signed up for, Mm -hmm. right? So to take care of those patients. Absolutely. So when you think about the work that you do as well, because you've done this in large communities, um, you know, you're working here in a smaller community, what, how is this different in a rural environment than in a larger system? Because large systems also do partnerships to provide specialties they don't necessarily have, um, but maybe not as, as frequently. But how is that different? How's your approach different and how does it shake out sometimes? Mm-hmm. So looking at your market data is very important. So where are your patients going and why? And so doing a deep dive by service line is very important. That's something that, you know, JJ and the team are, are very good at looking into and then creating actionable items around that. So that's one thing. Um, Really taking a look at, like I said, where the patients are going and why, and then putting, putting some plans around it. So you can't always necessarily get the data that you need. And one mm-hmm. thing is that in rural health, your volumes are going to be a little different than they are in, from where I'm, where I'm from. So here I, here, I can't always get a specialty physician that I want, but I can also get great hospital-based physicians that are going to help coordinate the care, mm-hmm. right, which is fantastic. So you have those blurred lines, I think, mm-hmm. which, is, which is awesome. The other thing is right now we're trying to open up some other service lines, and we're looking at the financial feasibility of that. We're looking at the volumes associated with it. But when we talk to our partners out there in the community and they share with us that some of the services that they're offering that are similar, they're having a hard time getting their patients into, mm-hmm. that just reinforces that 
us looking at bringing those services here mm-hmm. is a good idea, mm-hmm. especially when those physicians are providing ancillary services here mm-hmm. too. So. Mm-hmm. so it demonstrates the need. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that data, it's not always easy to get all the data you want. Yes. And, and you can get all kinds of data from all kinds of different places. So in addition to the market share data, what other information do you look for um, when you're developing these strategies and where do you find some of that? Because even within our own organization, sometimes it's difficult to find the data we want because our, you know, medical record, if we want to look at trends, you know, not specific patient information, but if we want to look at trends or volumes or things like that, it's not always easy to get down to the specifics that maybe we want or, or the right detail. So what's your process for that? So it is not easy to always get the solid data. And we're constantly asking for data. We're constantly asking for recent trended data and, and such. But there are there is a lot of great information that the government, let's just say, does track, like cancer.gov, CDC, mm-hmm. NIH. There's a lot of that information. And then with, for example, you know, for, for oncology, they actually have cancer incidences by county, which wow. is great. And so, yeah, so we can look at that and by sex, by age, by stage. And so that shows us where our opportunities are. And we know that here at Hillsdale, there's some opportunity And one, for example, is lung. And one thing that I'm super passionate about is really helping patients get diagnosed early with Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they have. But for cancer, a stage one diagnosis versus a stage four diagnosis is a big difference. Mm -hmm. And they always say early detection is the best protection. Mm -hmm. And so how do we do that? So there's a lot of exciting things that we're doing here at Hillsdale, and there's going to be a lot more to come on that. But rolling out a simple lung nodule screening program is something that I am super passionate about. I've done it at two organizations before. I sit on the um, National Lung um, their roundtable, which is really exciting. So mm-hmm. I get to participate in all their webinars. And um, I partner very closely with the American Cancer Society, who is who has phenomenal, phenomenal data. So um, you can usually get the data that you're looking for if you're, you know, a beagle about it, which is kind of fun. <laughs> so. so what we know is that we're not throwing a dart at a wall to try to determine what is the best strategy. The strategy is well-defined. Uh, it is clearly vetted. And then we have a targeted approach to try to achieve that strategy. All right. So with that, let's talk about my favorite subject, and it's Hillsdale Hospital. Why don't you share with our listeners, you know, here's a rural hospital. We're striving to survive years ago. You know, we've been through many things here, including fires and floods, sale of the hospital to the city and back to a corporation. It's been through a lot. Uh, we've had administrators come and go. And, you know, it's really hard to keep perspective sometimes when an organization is in, you know, I'm not going to say turmoil or, or flux, but at the, at the end of the day, we have to focus on really taking good care of our patients and their families. And so knowing that, knowing that we have a growth strategy, knowing that your background is strategic development of organizations. And you, and by the way, you know, I want you to know she's led hundreds and hundreds and hundreds uh, of people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in her background at big systems. Yes. I was looking at uh, your, your CV and I was like, wow. So big systems, all right? We're talking systems of 30,000 people, mm-hmm. all right? And so you've, you know, the perspective that you just provided to us about the difference between rural 
uh, health and, you know, looking at the larger systems uh, for for that metropolitan uh, health care is really fascinating to hear. But we have to be a little bit more deliberate and strategic because I don't have a huge basket of money. And we're limited with our days on cash on hand as, you know, versus a, a hospital that may be in a, a major metropolitan area that gets a lot of donations and, you know, maybe has a lot of old money, we call it. So we do have to be somewhat strategic to be able to say, let's make sure that that service line works. So with that, Nicole, it is a question, I promise you. Uh, what have you been doing here at Hillsdale Hospital in a very short window uh, to really build that strategy? Talk about maybe two or three of the things that have really been your passion and and how you've implemented those here. So when I first got here, we were looking at, and I know you've done a lot of work around um, trying to bring services into the hospital, but we started looking at dialysis and found out that our patient, we're not able to provide dialysis to patients on the inpatient side, nor at our skilled nursing facility. And our skilled nursing facility is nothing to, to blink at whatsoever. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, Phenomenal. absolute, yeah. amazing, yeah. amazing ratings. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, amazing ratings. And I mean, probably the best I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sad that we have this beautiful facility, these wonderful people that are working here. And I'm not saying that um, because right. I'm working for you. It is it is heartfelt. Yeah. These people live in this community. They, they are committed to the care of the patients. And you hold people accountable that are not, you know, mm-hmm. cutting the mustard. Mm-hmm. And so um, dialysis is something that's very important because if you present to the hospital with another sort of a complication or a need for services and we can't help you, we have to send you outside of the county. Mm-hmm. And that right there is something that weighs heavy on, I know, on all of the senior leadership Mm -hmm. and and the leadership teams here, as well as the caregivers. So, you know, our job is to take care of the patients and provide care close to home. And so when we don't do that, we feel like we're falling short and want to come up with solutions. So there were a lot of barriers to implementing dialysis, including the different types of equipment, uh, the different um, support that's needed to to maintain that equipment, the different supplies, and uh, staffing and expertise and physician knowledge and all that. So there were a lot of barriers, especially with low volume. But what is exciting is we've been able to find all the different solutions to all all the different barriers. And we are very close to implementing dialysis. We are very excited because if you have a need and you need to be admitted to our hospital or come to the ED and you're admitted and you are a dialysis patient, or if you present with any sort of kidney um, problems, we are going to be able to help you. And that is absolutely exciting. I'm happy because everybody that lives in this county can come and visit their loved ones and not have to drive, you know, an hour plus, uh, you know, to see them. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is um, pulmonology is something mm-hmm. I'm really, really passionate about. Uh, for those of you that know me, I lost both my parents at a young age to cancer, 52 and 53. Um, my passion is um, oncology, and my passion is also um, patient education. And so we're going to be doing a really exciting launch for our um, lung nodule programs. Rachel and I have been yes. uh, kind of your, your passion for that is infectious because <laughs> I've caught the bug. I'm very excited about that. I know you are. I can tell. You know a lot. I'm very impressed. But I'm, we're excited because we want to get the word out to the community that if you're age 50 and older and you have a history of smoking, as defined by the criteria um, that the American Cancer Society is putting out and the U.S. Preventative Task Force, 
if you meet that criteria, we want to take care of you. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? We want to manage suspicious lung nodules for you. We want to do mm -hmm. a low dose CT screening and we're going to partner with our awesome pulmonology group and, um, and our radiology Exciting. group to take Exciting. care of, to take care of you. It's wonderful. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I'm very excited. So. A lot of great things happening here on the campus of Hillsdale Hospital today, joined by Nicole Mayer. She is a good friend to Hillsdale Hospital, uh, a dedicated servant to taking care of patients. And her passion just comes through if you ever had a chance to talk with her and just see what comes to life, which is making sure that the patient experience is the best it can be. Keeping patients local, uh, keeping them here in small rural hospitals where the quality is typically higher here at Hillsdale Hospital than many places, and the price is lower. So all those great incentives to keep our patients here. Okay, so we've had this long interview. I'm going to throw out something to you that is absolutely unscripted. Uh, and the question is, and it's an unfair question, but you have worked at some of the largest systems, even in America, uh, and now you've worked at Hillsdale Hospital, mm -hmm. and you've been here a few months. Tell the listener who is not even familiar with Hillsdale, what that transition is like to be able to, not from a clinical perspective, but just an overall perspective. And I hope it's a good answer, but I want you to be able to explain to our listeners what that's like. Because one of the biggest challenges we have, Nicole, is recruitment of talent to small rural health. Physicians, almost non-existent, you know, especially if there's a shortage of those physicians, Everybody is vying for them. But to come to rural health, it requires quite a different knack. You know, you really have to have a passion. Um, so could you tell me one example maybe of Just what, one? Well, or two <laughs> of, of what that experience has been like for you. So I think that there's less red tape, which I like. You can make a larger difference, which I think is phenomenal. Um, rural, this setting right here, first of all, the hospital is gorgeous. It is meticulously clean. The facilities are beautiful. Um, the downtown is adorable. Mm -hmm. The homes are beautiful. Everything is well kept. That is one thing. It's not what a lot of people would think when they think about the need for, you know, the physician shortages and such in rural sure. health. So I would say come for a tour. Tour your local rural health hospitals and see what they're doing. The, the care is, it is different. It is not as fast-paced, anxious. It is more hands-on quality. Um, it's very interesting to watch. And I can tell you it starts from the top down. It is very inclusive here. It is very, you're a very transparent leader, which just cascades down. Um, and I was telling somebody in another county about it recently, just the differences here than, than it is for other health systems. Um, you know, you've been with the hospital for a very long time. The longevity here is something that, that speaks volumes. And if you're looking for a place where you can sink your teeth into it, you should check with your local rural hospital. Or Hillsdale. Or Hillsdale. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Greatly appreciate it. And believe it or not, our time has come to an end here today on this podcast. We thoroughly enjoyed uh, hearing your perspective, uh, having served in a multitude of roles uh, in healthcare. And I would say it was great to be joined by one of the best healthcare professionals with passion. And you see that passion in her eyes and you hear it in her voice, whether it's me calling you at 11 o'clock at night to run something by you, or if it's an early meeting call, which I know you prefer those more, uh, <laughs> in discussing you know what it is that our strategy is here for Hillsdale. We just want to thank you for joining us today. It's been great to have you on our program. Thank you for having me. 
So, Nicole, before we close, uh, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. So we want to know, what is your most rule experience or one of your favorite rule memories or stories that's unique to our rural life? Well, mine is very simple. It involves my sisters and mom and I uh, picking black raspberries and uh, giving them to our grandma to make uh, black raspberry cobbler, Yum. which was my favorite. So that is always uh, my favorite rural health memory. Um, a memory that I did not experience, but that I was told of, though, is that my mother and her brothers did used to tip cows. And um, that is a true story. <laughs> but I, I did that's not, real. I did not witness it personally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're here for a dinner tonight. We're going to try that. Um, I I don't think it exists, but I've heard about it. So I've we're going to find out. Too. I don't Rachel, know. you ready for it? You going to yeah, do it? Sure. All right. So the three of us are going to go out and we're going to do some cow tipping. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it, Nicole. Thank you. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll talk about the health of rural communities with our very first return guest. So be sure to tune in. As a reminder, we are collecting patient testimonials to be featured during our Voice of the Patient segment. If you have an experience to share about the positive impact you or your loved one has had as a patient at a rural hospital or healthcare provider, call our direct-to-voicemail line at 269-447-1265 or email marketing at hillsdalehospital.com and share your story with us. You just might be featured on a future episode. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. You can also find us now on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Nicole Mayer, Chief Strategy Officer at Hillsdale Hospital. For more interviews like this and more information, or to share your patient or family testimonial with us, visit RuralHealthRising.com.